0: So we'll go to Luke 17. <laughs> Luke chapter 17. It's only half a message. I only have half a message for you, because I preached this. Uh, <laughs> I even said during my message, I'll finish this up next week, and totally forgot that the next week I was leaving town and Mike was preaching. Um, so if you I don't have time to review the whole thing, uh, but I think this podcast, the first part of this message, is up online. Uh, I, I uploaded it before I left. So part one to this message, um, this passage of scripture is online, so you're going to want to go back and listen to it. If you weren't here a few weeks ago, you're only going to get half the message today. It is the exciting half. This is the exciting part of the message, Um, but there's a lot of groundwork that was laid already. So if you feel like, man, I feel like something's missing um, from his sermon today, from The passage there is. I preached half the message a couple weeks ago, and this is the second half to it. Um, So bear with me today, and I think that you will uh, be encouraged uh, if we listen and heed the words of God here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one last time. Will you ask the Holy Spirit of God to help shine light? you ask him to, to show you what you need today? How many of you need something from the word of God today? How many of you need a word? Okay, well, why don't you ask him? right now during this last moment, uh, just say, Holy Spirit of God, come in. Forgive me of where I failed you. I'm not thinking about, I'm not thinking about me right now. I'm thinking about you and I need you to show me something. Let's pray, Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. But Father, we pray and we ask your Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts and our minds today. Help us as we approach your word, help us to be good soil today, that the word of God, the seed will take place Uh, will take root, rather, in our hearts, and may it grow and produce fruit, the fruits of the Spirit, in our lives, Father, that we may be different, that we may walk away changed, that we, Father, can grow in your grace this morning because of the preaching of your word. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Luke 17, verse 20 through 37, let's read quickly. Luke 17, 20 through 37, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees. I'll give a little bit of background, a little bit of context as we go, uh, but n- not a lot. But, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, and he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo, here or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto his disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of those days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it and they shall say to you see here or see there go not after them nor follow them for as the lightning that lighteth out of the part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven so shall also the son of man be in this day this is very descriptive are you picking up on that this is describing something an event but first but first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. One, one more that's coming. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They, they were given in marriage under the days of Noah until he entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Here's the second one. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. This is descriptive. This is describing an event. It's saying, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so it shall be. Some of you, you should go, ooh. That's a pretty dramatic event, Noah's Ark. And if you carry the weight of scripture like it's literally uh, the word of God in it and it happened... And there was a boat, and you can go to Ohio and see it, the very ark that Noah rode on. Just kidding. Uh, but there is a replica of it. Kinham and Noah. Pff, these guys, man, they are spot on. But anyway, the point is, is that something like that is going to happen again. I and mean, that's crazy. Sodom and Gomorrah, if you don't know the story, you should read it. It's a crazy story. A crazy, filthy, rotten city that had some crazy things happening in it. And God's saying, This is gonna happen again. Our little antennas should be going through the ceiling right now. Gonna happen again? This is gonna happen again, really? You read into this text. Why? Because the Pharisees were like shaking Jesus, saying, Tell me about the kingdom of God. And he's like, Oh, it's coming. It ain't what you think it is, but it's coming. It's going to be like in the days of Noah. It's going to be like, y'all say that with me. It's going to be like, say it with me. Y'all can't do it as good as I can, just saying. I'm just trying to wake you up a little bit. Some of y'all, you're like, oh, man, I feel like I'm in the days of Noah right now. I feel like I'm a 1,000 years old or however, 4,000. Y'all need to wake up. It's about to get real up in here. All that mushy gift card stuff's over with. It's the preaching. <laughs> so shall it be, it's coming, it's going to happen, back into the text, here we go, even thus shall it be in the day when the son of man is revealed, in that day, he, which shall be on the housetop, your antenna should be going up, and his stuff is in the house, let him not come down to take it away, and he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back, and here's the, the, the warning, remember Lot's wife, Ooh, chills, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall what? Lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall what? Preserve it. I tell you in the night, there shall be two men in a bed. In other words, two two situations, two different men. One shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding together. Two women will be making, grinding the wheat. They'll be working together. One there, one is going to be left. And they answered and said unto him, where, Lord? And he said to them, wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. In other words, one will be destroyed. One will be gathered together. Mr. Brian, I did some homework after your comment going out of the church a couple weeks ago. It is true, very true, that eagles will eat dead things. And would almost, uh, not not what I say uh, prefer it, but almost prefer it because it's an easy meal. When I first read this, I was like, yeah, textual error. It's really talking about, not error in one sense, like us understanding it. It's really talking about vultures. But Google it, because that's what we do in 2019. Eagles will eat off dead things. And that's the context of what's happening here. He's saying there's one that's going to make it and one that's going to be a pile of dead bodies. A pile of people that the eagles, the birds of prey, will feed off of. So in this warning, do you want to be the one that survives or do you want to be the one that dies? Do you want to be, if I had another name for this message, it would be the walking dead. Kingdom authority in this message, in what Jesus is trying to teach us about the kingdom, he is saying there is two types of people in this auditorium today. One that will continue on in the kingdom of God and one that is walking dead. And that's where we're headed in the rest of this text by way of review <clears throat> we talked about there being two kingdoms right now we talked about there being an earthly kingdom and a spiritual kingdom we gave three passages of scripture that describes our earthly physical kingdom which is what the pharisees were really talking about and we also talked about a spiritual unseen internal and eternal kingdom so there's two kingdoms simultaneously One that we can experience now physically, and one that we can experience spiritually. So you say, I thought there was just one. I thought that it's just God. But really, if you think about the age that we're living in, sin exists in the world. Flesh exists. We have it. We have a sin nature. We have struggles. Can anybody testify to that? Right. Right. And so how does that work? Is that a contradiction in God's kingdom? Has he saved me from my sin? Has he made me someone that will uh, go into eternity as a saved uh, being? Or are my sins going to wreck me? Am I going to miss the mark, so to speak, Which, which is what sin means? How do those two kingdoms coalesce? How do they come together, the physical and the spiritual? Well, what we saw in Scripture is that, God rules over the physical kingdom. That should give us hope. That should give us a feeling of security, understanding that there are crazy things happening in the world today, yes, but they're not out of His control. They're not. Well, Satan's just running amok. Well, just remember in Job, he couldn't have done what he did without God's permission. So before you think you're being pressed and pushed all the way to the end and the edge of the cliff, you might be, but God is still there. There is no place that you can go. David the psalmist said it. There is no place on earth, physical kingdom, that you can go that is outside of God's sovereign rule, that is outside of God's control. There's no place that you can go in your, even in your mind physically thought that God is not there. And He rules. And, and then when we talk about the spiritual kingdom, you know, the principalities, the powers, the spirits. I was joking with Cody and Kenny, they were talking about aliens in the. Hey, Nikki. <laughs> they were talking about aliens and uh, all, all of what's going on, Area 51 and all that, all that stuff. Wouldn't it be something for us to be distracted in the extraterrestrial? Right by the world and what they think about it instead of obeying what Scripture says about it. There is a spiritual kingdom. There are principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness that will oppress you, that will lean into you, that will lean into you and, and, and will try to wreck your spirit. Right? I saw a thing, a complete rabbit trail here. But I was watching a thing on uh, Instagram. Kurt Franklin was talking about how, it, it was, the topic was relationships, I really need to get to my message, but I really think this is a good story. I don't know why. But he was talking about relationships, how men are opening themselves up. When they have all of these partners before marriage, they're opening themselves up to all these other spirits. You understand that when you live a life of sin, you're opening the door to unclean spirits. You're opening the door for for the devil to get a foothold. I think Peter puts it this way, so he can get an advantage on you and then he talks about how if you live that way in such a manner that you just think there's no consequences really by the time you get to where God wanted you to be you've got 10 evil spirits on top of you and then you're trying to do and he he brought it around in a different context as far as like a marriage relationship bringing them into a marriage relationship where you're expecting your wife to be right a a true woman who God wants her to be, but you're really expecting her to be all those other women that you've been with because none of them have left you, and you're carrying what we would call baggage, right, into a relationship, really what you're doing is carrying sinful past, carrying sinful demons, sinful principalities because you didn't put your armor on into new relationships, and you just can't get past it, can you? We have to understand that there is a spiritual realm. There is spiritual warfare. There is a spiritual fight. Anyway, that's not the message, but that's just a sidebar to the fact that there's a spiritual kingdom. Let's open our eyes and see it. We talked about how God uses angels. God used the nation of Israel. God used Jesus as the champion of that kingdom. And we dialogued about Jesus, the Pharisees, and the disciples, those three people in part one of this message. The Pharisees looked at the kingdom Uh, But it posed a problem for them the way they looked at it, the disciples, the kingdom positions them for eternal significance, and Jesus, the kingdom, is manifested in him. The Pharisees, and many included uh, Jews, are seeking only an earthly, physical reign of the Messiah. Through rabbinical writings and an improper view of their own righteousness, the Pharisees came to the conclusion that they were deserving of a kingdom based on their goodness, They were ready for the earthly manifestation of how awesome they were, which is why we we talked about the problematic view of the kingdom. The problematic view of the kingdom is this. This is all review. Number one, when we should be giving respect, but instead are putting in requests. Look at verse 20 quickly. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, demanded, they should have been respecting Jesus in his position in the kingdom as son of God, but we know he came into his own and his own received him not. We know that the Jews rejected him. You understand what I'm saying? They were looking for that earthly physical kingdom. They were looking for that preferential treatment. They thought that they were better than everybody else, right? And they said, in the, in the Greek, the word here, a A parateo. It means a request from someone of equal standing. The Pharisees were looking eyeball to eyeball with Jesus, demanding that, that they, that he tell them, What's going to happen? Like king to king, that's what we talked about. Instead of putting in requests, they should have been giving respect. And we talked about that in great detail. Listen, we're not on the same level as Jesus. He's our king. He's our mediator. He's the reason why we can go into the throne room and talk to the Father and not be incinerated for our sins should respect Jesus. And we see the Pharisees didn't respect him at all. Number two, when we measure the kingdom and what is seen, look there at verse 20 again. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with what? Observation, if you're looking at the text. Jesus told the Pharisees, you're looking for something physical, and let me help you with something. You can't observe it. This is not a physical kingdom that I'm going to come and set up right now at this point. So church, understand this. Sometimes you need to be respectful instead of putting in all your requests sometimes you need to understand what the Pharisees needed to understand and that's this is something that is unseen not something that is physical in nature not by observance we talked about a solo cup it's disposable what matters is on the inside of the cup and many of you disagreed and laughed because I guess all of you wash your solo cups out and put them back in the cabinet remember that okay I guess it's still funny today all right number three when we are searching but not experiencing Let me explain something to you. I'm about to have a fit here in about three minutes when I get to the point of what today is all about because I'm experiencing the the spiritual kingdom of God. But see, the Pharisees were what? Eye to eye with Jesus. I'm on your level. Tell me about the kingdom, Jesus. Tell me what we don't know. Fill me in. I've been down here doing your bidding. Are you listening? Hey, Jesus, I want to see it. And he's like, you can't see it. The third thing, hey, Jesus, uh, We're searching for this thing. Verse 21, it says, Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is, what? Within you. Jesus said, hey, you can say, hey, it's over here. Hey, the kingdom of God, it's over there. Let's go see it. Anybody got tickets? Respond, maybe, interested. Let's go check it out. Jesus is like, let me explain something to you. It ain't observed. It's experienced. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's experienced, Paul, that I may know him. That word know is the Greek word ginosko, that I may experience him. I can sit here and pound religious uh, knowledge, biblical knowledge into your head all day long, but you could deny the power of that word. There is an experience that comes with accepting the word of God by faith. There is an experience, there is something that takes place through the Holy Spirit of God that says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we don't have faith, we have no activator, we have no lens, we have nothing to put on to experience the word of God. It's just words on a page, it's just a book, it's nothing, it's an inanimate object. But with faith, with understanding and eternal Excuse me, internal kingdom of God, <clears throat> splash zone. <laughs> With understanding that, it becomes alive. It's alive. The word of God is quick. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit. That's that's like these two kingdoms colliding. Some of y'all are like, man, really? This thing? Alive? Quick? Powerful? That thing ain't moved in months. <laughs> the only thing it's moved is when my son or daughter drew on the dust on it. It's not alive to you. Why not? You're like the Pharisee. Anybody seen where the kingdom's at? Mm hmm. Well, I heard it's on the corner of third and fourth. Let's go. No joke. Well let, let me put this in 2019 context. How's how's the coffee at that church? That's where we're going. That's the same way. Oh, you think I'm playing? Pentecostal section, you just get ready. It's it's about listen, it's listen, Linda. I shouldn't have said that. I knew it was coming. I was trying to gain and I lost. <laughs> Do you understand, like, let's let's contextualize this to now, not to over-contextualize it, but how many believe that there are Pharisees in our churches? How many are guilty? Mm-hmm, okay, all right. So, so the, here's the point. We can then put ourselves in this position and say, hey, Jesus, where's the kingdom? Where's the mountain moving stuff that's going to happen? Hmm? Is it over there? Is it over here? And he's like... It should be within you. Oh, but I'm sorry. That's the place that all your hatred and malice is living. (laughs) Oh, that would be great to experience the kingdom of God, but there's no room in there. We did a pressure check like on a tire. Oh, it's full. (laughs) Some of y'all need to deflate that mess. You know what I'm saying? Man, I got to get to the message. Jesus quickly controlled the narrative and turned his attention, watch this, to his disciples and gave them solid instruction defining what the kingdom is and how we can approach it in a way that makes sense. How many are interested in that? Yes. I'm not going to wade in the minutiae too much about my eschatological timeline. I'm not going to wade in the weeds too much about my view on future events as far as what specifically is going to happen. I'll just say this to you. He's describing an event in the future. Can can we agree to that? He's describing something that's going to look a lot like when a lot of people died in both instances. So there are future things coming that are going to physically happen, and we're going to touch on it a little bit. But here's what I want. I want you to take the place today, in this narrative, three people, Jesus, the Pharisees, and who? The disciples. We've already talked about why the Pharisees had a problematic view of what the kingdom of God was. And, and we, we pulled that out in three points. But right now, what I, what I want to help you with is the disciples' view. How Jesus encouraged his disciples to live. That's what I want to be. How many of you want to be a disciple of Jesus? In order to be, listen, in order to make disciples, which is the Great Commission, you have to be a disciple. Some of you, do you guys know that? That it's, it's not designed for you to sit here on your blessed assurance. The preaching of the cross of Christ is so that you will pick up your cross and follow. And when you follow Jesus, he said, I will make you what? Fishers of men. This is not so that we can internalize and compartmentalize and ostracize. Oh, have we been a part of that? No, 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 no. This is so we can drop the barrier, so that we can pick up the megaphone, so that we can explain to our family, so that we can explain to our coworkers, so that we can tell everybody that I'm a disciple of Jesus and let me show you how to be a disciple of Jesus. That's what this is all about multiplication. The reason why we have a plan to start more churches is because i'm already assuming that you're going to do the right thing i'm going to assume that if i disciple there's quite a few in here that i have a discipleship relationship with quite a few apart from our connect groups i talk regularly i speak spiritual things into you and i hate to say it i have ulterior motives and excuse me monitor and and my ulterior motives is that you will do the same thing My ulterior motive is that you will not internalize, that you will not take the glory. My ulterior motive is that you will give God the glory, because he is, and the reason why we do everything that we do. So, having understanding the predisposed position of what a disciple is, let's jump in a little bit. Verse 22 and 23, we're going to the next passage. I got about 15 minutes, and honestly, I mean it. I'm not going to take long. I need you to buckle up, listen, and I'm, I'm about to throw down. You know I'm <laughs> I'm just playing around a little bit. Man, I miss it. I miss it when I'm not here. I really do. This is my spot. This rug, I might miss this rug more than some of you. I'm just saying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's my rug right here. Man, hold on, y'all. Hold on. Oh yeah, my rug. This is good stuff. <laughs> Moses, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. <laughs> that's right. I love my rug. <laughs> Verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, Are your antennas up, church? Hey, are your antennas up? I want. That's me right here. All right, Jesus, I'm listening. And he said unto his disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see. One of those days of the Son of Man, and we're talking about the kingdom, and ye shall not see it, and ye shall not see it, and they say, and they shall say to you, they, see here, see there, what's the very next statement? Go not after them, nor what? Follow them. Here's the first thing. You can go to that slide. Here's the First thing, slide number seven. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. As a disciple, I'm going to tell you this. Stand firm. As it pertains to the kingdom of God, stand firm. There's going to come a day. There's going to come a time when they say it's over here. There's going to come a point where, remember, I have to go. I have to suffer. I'm going to go away, Jesus said. And there's going to, these people that are looking right now, the Pharisees that are approaching me in a way that they shouldn't, guess what? They're going to keep coming. They're going to come for you. They're going to distract you. And you must stand firm. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. If you have your Bibles, I don't think it's in there. Listen to this. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be what? Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You talked about this last week. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against the wiles of the devil. You you have to understand in this context that there's gonna come a time. It's gonna continue. If Jesus tarries his coming, if he hasn't come back, if he hasn't established this kingdom that is now internal that will become physical and external, you got to stand. If he hasn't come back yet. Don't move. Boy, how many Christians have we seen take another position? How many? How many Christians have we seen? Excuse me. I'm going to put my shoes back on. I think I'm I'm going places with this one. How many? Man, they were here, and now they're not. We already know in that same passage of scripture, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Church, stand firm. What is he saying to his disciples? They're going to say, come over here. Hey. Hey. Come over here. They're going to whisper in your ear. There are those that are people that have itching ears, Paul says to Timothy. They're just going to want a message that makes them feel good. They're just going to want a word of God that, that allows them to continue moving where they're moving, doing what they're doing, and not standing for God. Boy, is there ever a time when Satan is trying to get the people of God to move than today. Is there ever a time in the church, listen up, when it would be easier to move from the position that God has established us in? Mm -mm -mm. Here's my statement. Want Jesus more than what the devil offers you. Jesus said the days will come, the ages will come. (coughs) Go not after them. Stand. Here's the other thing. Don't become distant by distractions. Don't become sidelined because of uh, spiritual ADD. I couldn't figure out what I was meaning there. Don't become distant by distractions. And don't become sidelined by spiritual ADD. In order to stand, it means you have to be what? Focused. we doing, Pastor Matt? We're going to do the same thing that we did last week. The same thing that he's called us to do until he comes back. We're going to stand, and we're going to stand firm. And when they say, why don't you come over here and try it this way, what are we going to do? We're going to stand. It's the simplest things that are the hardest, isn't it? (laughs) Here's what I'm not saying. There are those that would like you to think that this is like a path, an old path. It sounds familiar. There are those that would like to feed you a bill of goods that this is, a, this is a system of religion that you have to follow. But to me, if we understand the context of what Jesus is saying, he's saying that the systems of religion, a.k.a. the Pharisees, who are the other people in this text, are going to offer come here, come there. And he says what? Don't follow him. Let me help you with this. Don't become overly enamored with any system of religion. Become overly enamored with one person, Jesus. How do, I I feel like there there is a dearth for Christians that know how to stand. Oh, just, just tell me where to go and I'll what? Stand there. The only type of standing you know how to do is something that is led by someone else. That's a problem. This is a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? When they tell you the problem is you're listening to other people besides Him, He, he lays it out in Scripture that His church is a safe place to be shepherded and led. But what happens when our churches? are eating our own? What happens when wolves come in? Right? Church, it is vitally important for you to develop a relationship with Jesus. Remember, the prerequisite is for you to be a what? Disciple. That's the conversation. Here's the second thing. Stay faithful. Verse 24, if you look at it. For as the lightning that lighteth out of one part of under heaven, shineth unto the other part, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Let's go to 30. But first he must suffer all things, be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, they did eat, they drank. They married wives, they were given in marriage. Under the days they entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Remember, likewise in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank. In other words, life was continuing. The regularly scheduled program of sin was going on. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained what? Fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Here's what I want to say to you. Stay faithful. I want to bring context from these two men, Noah and, and, and Lot. Genesis 6, 8, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hey, church. Noah found grace. (laughs) He found grace. Listen to this statement. It's imperative that we resolve our inward tension with outward movement toward Jesus. It is imperative, church, that we resolve our inward tension with outward movement towards Jesus. Find grace. I'm trying to stand, Pastor Matt. I'm trying to put myself in that position where I have that relationship with Jesus and where I'm not tossed with every wind of doctrine, with every new idea. I'm trying not to be distracted by the lack of fill-in-the-blank of the churches. I'm trying not to be distracted by the lack of friendships or connections or the lack of programs or all those. I'm just trying to stand firm. How do you do that? By staying faithful. You thought it was enough to just stand there. Uh Uh-uh. You got to keep standing there. Do you think that Noah wanted to quit after day 100 of those people coming up to him being like, yo, bro, just give it up. Just pack it up. No, man, I got a new hammer. I wore out the last 100. Still here building this ginormous boat. They have something called rain coming. I don't know. never seen it before. You think he would have made it if he didn't have grace? Yes or no? No. Some of y'all ain't felt grace from God in months. You're just standing there without grace. You think that you're doing it of your own merit, and God said, chill. I'm coming. I've already done this work. You're a part of something bigger, greater. Isn't it like the devil to isolate you? Isn't it like the devil to send yet another family to walk by while you're doing the work of God, building that crazy boat? And they're looking at you going, why are you giving your money to that church? Why do you keep telling your coworkers about that? Ain't nothing happening. He ain't, Jesus ain't coming 2,000 years. It was 2,000 years ago when he ascended up. Let me like the lightning hits the sky and it's seen in the other part of the sky, people going to see they are gonna know it's gonna happen stay faithful and maybe sometimes you might need a little faith from the pastor or faith from a friend that's why it's important to surround yourself with believers stay faithful church let me explain this to you part of faithfulness let's think about lots illustration 2nd Peter 2 7 and 8 maybe I've missed this before Y'all didn't know Lot was in 2 Peter, did you? Listen to this. The Bible says that it vexed Lot's righteous soul to be in Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me explain something to you. Part of staying faithful is not accepting the bad things that are going on around you. Every day that Lot was in Sodom, the Bible says that his soul, his spirit, was hurting. It was hurting how do I stand firm? Let your soul hurt a little bit. Let your spirit hurt for what's going on around you. Every day, every day he saw his children living ungodly lives. It vexed, listen to me parents, it vexed his righteous soul. But you know what? Lot's family was saved, except his wife. It just may be your faithfulness that saves your family. But you have to be okay with being uncomfortable in your soul. You, sometimes you just have to know. Sometimes you just have to be the one in the group that knows that at some point the Son of Man is going to come back. At some point the Son of Man, like lightning hits and it's seen everywhere. The world is going to see and you know what? It's okay. You know what? I can bear it in my soul. You know what? I can get up every day. I can turn on the news. I can accept the fact that there's wickedness all over this world and it makes my soul hurt because the righteousness that Jesus gave me, it's not easy bearing this, but I'm going to stay faithful. In that situation, in the days of Lot, they got out. You need to think about that. Maybe you're just thinking about quitting and that's all. Church, don't quit. Stay faithful. Be Lot in the story, not Lot's wife. Remember point number one of standing firm is wanting what Jesus is offering you more than what the devil is offering you. Stay faithful, church. God will one day bring the two kingdoms together. Until then, you know what I'm about to say. Stay faithful. 2 Peter 3, 12 through 13. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. I want you to listen to this. Church, this is intense. Doggone if I can get there. Sorry, excuse me. 2 Peter, listen to this. 12 through 13. Looking for and hasting unto the coming oh, of the day of God, wherein, this is future, the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Hey, church, at one at one point, the heavens and the earth will be renovated by fire. And the Bible says... Jesus' righteousness will dwell in that. We won't suffer. We won't feel what we're feeling, the tension today. The tension that you have inside to sin and to do all these wrong things, and you have to resolve to stand firm, and every day your soul is vexed just to stay faithful, at at one point it's going to end, and it's going to come, and it's going to happen. I feel like sometimes we Christians aren't living as if Jesus is coming back. You're living like this is the it. This is this is the end. There's nothing more past this. Church, the Bible, it's true. Just in case you're wondering, that's gonna happen. And if you don't believe that, I can understand why this whole thing's crazy to you. Why would I put myself in a place where my soul is vexed? Why would I mean I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna leave. Pharisees were looking for it but the disciples were challenged by it here's the last thing spirit-filled stand firm stay faithful and be spirit-filled John 16 7 through 15 Jesus describes what it's going to be like when he leaves and his Holy Spirit comes this is how this is this is the how we make it through John 16 if you have your Bibles go there John 16, 7 through 15. Listen to this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. I'm trying to connect the dots for you here. Where we're reading in Luke, it's Jesus talking with his disciples. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's part of the conversation, the narrative that we talked about a couple weeks ago. This is just another part in that conversation. And Jesus is looking at his disciples in another conversation, and he says, hey, guess what, y'all? It's going to be really good that I go away. That's what that word expedient means. Can you imagine? Let's put it in a context of business. Let's say someone comes along. Someone comes along and they say, hey, I've got $10 million. I'm going to coach you on how to make that hundred million dollars and we're going to do it in three and a half years and you're like looking at them like okay sure ain't nobody giving me a penny to date. how are you trying to give me 10 million and then you say you're going to make it I mean this is my story here you know then you say you're going to make it 100 million all right let's see how many of you would show up to work the next day if they said we're going to give you 10 and then in three years it's going to be three and a half it's going to be a 100 million anybody all right only three of you all right y'all are who I want to talk to after the service okay you're the people who are going to actually do the work of God But, oh, he put it up. Thanks, Jose. But here's the point. So in three and a half years, check this out. 100 million becomes 300 million. He took 10 million. He gave it to you, and he taught you how to invest it. He taught you how to triple it, how to quadruple it. In three and a half years. And then he goes, hey, deuces, see you later. Maybe in 2,000 years. (laughs) If you knew that this guy took you from nothing to $300 and then he's just going to disappear, and then he says, hey, guess what? I got a partner coming, and you're not going to be able to see him. (laughs) It's going to be great. I got a new partner going to come to town, and every time you go to make that next business deal, from the inside, he's going to tell you what to do. And then you're going to be able to do it. And then all of you, you're going to be able to go your separate ways and perform all these business deals. And you're going to make $300 million? I don't even know. A lot. That's what's being said in this text. Jesus came along, and not in the context of money. He said, drop what you're doing and come follow me. And in three and a half years, he taught them everything as pertaining the kingdom of God. And then he dies. He hangs out with him for 40 days and he said, remember what I told you, it's going to be better for you that I leave and go away because somebody else is going to come. This new kingdom is internal. Your body is the new temple. And the Holy Ghost of God is now, guess what? In you. It's like ravioli. It's in there. You understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to be real with you. The disciples, no doubt, were looking at him going, "Uh uh-uh, why don't you just stay? Why don't you hang out, bro? I like this thing. Here's the thing. Then Jesus would only be working with those 12. And then they would go do ministry without him, and they couldn't go any further than what? Him. But guess what? And this is the mystery. Stay with me. This is the mystery of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit of God is just as much God as Jesus. He's just as much God as the Father. And the Bible says that in Ephesians, he comes in your heart and he seals you unto the day of redemption. And you have your very own Jesus, guess what? On the inside. So you may look just like a noodle, but guess what? We know there's so much more going on with ravioli than just like that plain old pasta. So why are you trying to nibble on the outside of the noodle and not dig into the middle? Now let's go to this text and see if it makes sense. You ready? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Look at it. And when he is come, he will Mm -hmm. reprove the world of sin. It vexed Lot's what? Righteous soul. And of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go go to my father and and ye see me no more. We'll stop right there. Church, we have to learn to be spirit-filled. You cannot fill up on, on the world and fill up on the spirit. You can't. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Here's the problem. Matthew 23, 27 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto white sepulchres. White sepulchres, that's a grave. Which indeed appear beautiful on the outward, but are within, full of what? Dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. I'm landing the plane today. The kingdom that should matter the most to us is who is ruling your heart. Who is ruling your heart? Verse 34 through 37 in the text. He's going to come back. Those two kingdoms will become one on this earth. Let me explain something to you. And the Pharisees on the outside looked good, but were they ravioli? On the inside, they're dead. Church. (laughs) If we're going to live with that kingdom authority that Jesus challenged his disciples with, we have to be spirit-filled. We can't forget that Jesus went away and sent another. I know these are things that you've heard a lot. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We can't be caught up in what we see. We have to be led by what is unseen. I really want this. I want this church to be a kingdom-minded church for years to come. Years to come. I want us to make disciples, and those disciples make disciples. I want us to sit back and just look at what God has done, see the fruits of the Spirit in our lives evident. But that's never going to happen if we have a problematic view of the kingdom instead of the view that Jesus wanted his disciples to have. Stand firm. Stay faithful. And be Spirit-filled. Some of you say, I don't don't know know where to start. I, I don't